Hi there, welcome to podcast episode number 16. Today's topic is tough conversations, effective strategies for performance management. And today I'm talking with the director of talent management, Ron Yonker. He is the perfect person to have this conversation with. Not only does he look at leaders all across the organizations and has done that for a long time in his career, he also has had these kind of conversations with his team early on in his career and currently. So the key areas that we're going to talk about is exactly how do you have those tough conversations? And he shares a couple of examples through his career and as a leader. He shares an excellent performance management litmus test. There are four specific questions that you're going to want to be asking your employees and see what their answers are to kind of measure how well your performance management is going. He shares the power and simplicity of a wonderful concept called a how's it going meeting. It's a kind of meeting that would be very easy and to set up and to begin doing, and it would make a big difference in your leadership and how, how well you know what's going on with your team. So it's how's it going meetings. I think you're going to want to know about those. He has a bright idea that he's had leaders do around peer mentoring, and this peer mentoring helps grow, helps with growth for leaders and provides support for leaders. So great concept that is easy to implement and could make a big difference in your organization. And there's one thing you should always do when you're having tough conversations, and we talk about that. So it's a power-packed conversation with a very effective, passionate person, Ron Yonker, and let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, my name is Susie Price, and welcome to Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast a podcast for leaders, trainers, and consultants. And it's where we talk about employee selection and professional development and all things of interest to leaders, trainers, and consultants who are focused on building a wake-up eager workforce. I am a consultant and a professional facilitator and author. My company is Priceless Professional Development, and I'm now in my 12th year in this business. And my focus has been and continues to be helping companies build energy, commitment, and communication in their organizations. And this idea and concept of waking up eager has been a lifetime mantra of mine. It's my own personal vision and mission. It's uh, what I'm always interested in is what does it take to enjoy every day, to put your feet on the floor and be glad that you're up and about doing your life, doing your work. How do I make sure that I'm a fit for my job and the work that I do? How do I help other people be a fit? And um, so it's just I'm my coach. Every good coach has their own coach, right? So I have a coach, and we were talking the other day about my unending desire to continually seek out new information and new ideas, to just continually up-level my ability as a coach, as a facilitator, as a speaker. And she said to me, you're a seeker, and I really am a seeker. And I love to learn and know and collaborate. And so it is my joy and passion to bring this podcast to you. And it fulfills my mission and vision. And I'm hoping that it will be of great value to you. And so today's podcast, I do believe, is going to be of great value. The show notes for the podcast can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash performance. And so that you'll spell performance lowercase. But if you go to pricelessprofessional.com slash performance, you will get the show notes, which will have links in there. And you'll also see where you can download my free iPhone iPad app for this podcast. So that would mean that if you download that app, it'll be like other apps on your phone. You'll see my little face there. And uh, anytime you tap on it, you'll be able to see any new episodes without having to go look for it or look for an email or wait for my newsletter. So you can get that podcast app for your iPhone and your iPad and listen anytime when you're walking the dog or washing the clothes. And there's also on that same show notes page, if you have an Android uh, phone, or if you already have an iPod app that you listen to and use, you'll be able to subscribe using those links too. So you'll see that at the top of the page there. Let me tell you about Ron Yonker and his background before we get started with the interview. He is currently the Director of Talent Management at Cobb EMC, and that is an electric membership cooperative for the North Atlanta 
metropolitan area. It's one of the largest electric co-ops in the United States. And so he has many, many managers and leaders that he is overseeing and building leadership and development and organizational development programs for that organization. And prior to being where he is today, he was involved in organizational development and training in companies like Colonial Pipeline, Southern Company, and Georgia Power. And for example, think about the number of leaders. There are 4,000 leaders at Southern Company. So he had a broad view of seeing many leaders and and uh, being able to teach skills to those leaders, bring in programs around building skills. He also got a lot of national exposure because he participated on something called the Conference Board Committee, which is a national committee, and they, the subject was leadership development. And he was there with companies like Walmart, McDonald's, Google, Deloitte, General Mills, Bank of America, American Express, and more. And so he is tapped in and tuned into how do you develop leaders, what are the greatest tools, and what's so great about Ron is that he not only has the business experience in this area, he's very passionate about the topic. So you'll hear that in his in our dialogue. And prior to getting fully involved in the organizational development area uh, in these companies, he had a, has a finance background. So he was a treasury manager. He was an assistant to the vice president of human resources. And he held several supervisor positions in human resources and accounting all at Georgia Power. So you have an idea of his background. Now, as you listen to the interview, you're going to get an idea of his passion and his uh, very clear explanations on performance management and having those tough conversations. And let's go to that now. Welcome, Ron Yonker. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to share with us your expertise. It's glad to be with you, Susie. Uh, I so appreciate your extensive background in not only leading teams yourself, but helping other leaders more effectively lead teams. And so it is really great to have you on the call. You are the perfect person to be here. And what we're going to talk about today is about performance management. How do we have those tough conversations? And I am the of the bias that this topic can always be revisited by all levels of leadership because it's a skill set that we can always deepen no matter where you are in your career, and it's something that most levels seem to struggle with at times. Um, I kind of think that there's a perception out there that this is really only a topic for supervisors or mid-managers, um, but I as I've just said, think that all levels could benefit. What do you see? What do you think? Tell me your thoughts. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think the the way it looks at different levels might be a little different, whereas the supervisor is, is looking and managing everyday activities of individual contributors. As you move up the leadership levels, uh, you've got performance management where leaders are, are leading other leaders. And as you move up, it's, it's about creating this accountable organization and creating the work environment for all of the employees to be successful. And I couldn't think of a better place about where that starts is at the top of the organization, um, where it is really clear where we have uh, corporate goals that are tied all the way down into the organization. And there is an expectation that we're going to really have accountability of meeting those goals, whether they be the what's of the job, which means, you know, getting all the widgets done or sold or whatever it is, all the way down to the behaviors and the values that we we value in the company, and we want to hold each other accountable for that. And I think no matter what level you are in leadership, there is a role for, for that person. Right. And, and I think I'm surprised sometimes where I'll have be having a confidential one-on-one conversation with a senior manager or an executive who's very accomplished and actually is a really good communicator. But now they've got some situation where they've got to deliver some tough news. And I'm glad that they're thoughtful 
about it before they don't just run in and not think about it. But sometimes I've seen folks at, at senior levels not even not feel sure about how they're going to approach it. So it, it just seems like we all struggle at different times with having these conversations. Do you see that? Have you seen uh, I, senior managers struggling? Yes. There's some assumption that, oh, they've got it figured out. They've already been through this. And that's not yeah, always Yeah, it's an actuality. Um, my, my experience shows that sometimes leaders are promoted up into the ranks many times because of their technical expertise, uh, their, their knowledge, um, and yes, they're great communicators, but they may not have experienced the full spectrum of performance management. They've not gone through the cycles of being full in that competency, uh, but yet they certainly know the, uh, the content of which they're responsible for. And, um, and giving crucial feedback never stops, whether you're at the first level of management or whether you're the CEO. And, and there are times where uh, we need to actively listen to our subordinates, whether they're in the general manager level, uh, speaking to a CEO or a vice president, or whether it's an individual contributor speaking to a first-level supervisor. For me, I think one of the key roles of any leader at any level is being able to actively listen and, and, and conduct a dialogue with the people when we begin to talk about those crucial conversations. If it's if that dialogue opportunity is not there, then it's going to be a lot harder to get to the positive end result if, if we don't start there. Right. And, it, and it's usually what I see is if they either hold off on the conversation, don't have it, or they have it and it, they haven't really planned it out or thought it through and it doesn't go well or there's, you know, it gets worse. Um, so I so much agree with how to having conducting the conversation, conducting the dialogue. And I guess what we want to talk about today is, you know, what are some of those steps? What are some of those mind maps so that I don't put off having the conversation? no matter what level of leader I am, and so that I don't do the opposite, which is go in real quick and not not have thought it through enough. So trying to find that balance. So what I thought we'd do today is have you share some examples of situations that you've seen around performance and then kind of go through, kind of dissect it and talk about um, you know, what happened, what worked, what didn't work, and, and hopefully it'll give every Wake Up workforce a leader uh, some templates and some thoughts to kind of edify and grow and learn their ability around performance management. So let's start out with um, a situation that you're familiar with that you can give us kind of the parameters, and let's dissect it. Great. Well, I became a leader for the first time in 1984. I was a first-level supervisor, and um, I inherited a group of about six people. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of training, but I had some mentoring and coaching from, from of course, my manager um, who uh, helped me. And I think that I had exhibited some of those competencies even as an individual contributor. But what I quickly found out through experience, and I'll share one in specifically in just a minute, is that there are so many reasons why employees don't meet expectations. Um, and what I may be thinking about why they're meet, not meeting expectations may not actually be the reality, and that's why I go back to how important having consistent, ongoing dialogue with your employees is so important and how knowing your employees is critically important. I recall a situation where I had an employee uh, who was very uh, – technically and academically trained at the top of their profession, and um, I was in the human resources organization, um, and um, I, I couldn't have asked for a more technically proficient employee, but when the person was doing project management, uh, working with other departments, um, had some uh, deficiencies in their development around the areas of of uh, taking full ownership of their work, like they owned the company, you know, and owned this project. 
And so it, it came to my attention through one of our internal clients that uh, this uh, this individual that reported to me really wasn't coming across as customer focused and was complaining that they couldn't get something done and it wasn't their responsibility and you know just wish they could do something and whatnot. And um, the client internal client came to me and says, "We got some issues here." And so um, I, I got with the individual and. Um, I, I had that open discussion, and I remember this was one of my first times to really uh, have some what I might call constructive tension, and uh, mm-hmm. how are we going to get this out on the table? Yeah. Uh, and Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, yeah, constructive tension. That's a great way to describe what that is. Yeah. You hope it's constructive, and in this case, I'm sure it was, but yeah, that's it, great. It was. It, it was, and... Um, what I learned is is that uh, sometimes uh, it it could be we need to look inside our own self and look at did we clarify or did we make the expectations very clear? And uh, during the conversation with this individual, um, I realized that that very sincerely uh, this individual did not think they had the accountability and the responsibility to make decisions at the level that they were at. And um, th- and that was the root of the problem. And it wasn't that the person couldn't do it, didn't have the skill set to do it. They didn't think they could do it. And so we got all that out on the table, and, and we, we, we made a little bit more of a clarifying statements about what this individual could do, that they had the ability to go and call others in other departments and ask them to do things. And if, if things weren't happening, then, you know, they could bring it to me. But they had accountability to go work on this and, and solve these, these issues themselves. They had the full accountability to do that and responsibility. And I've watched this person turn it around, Susie. Uh, he felt liberated. Some kind of confidence came over him. And we decided to keep following up every week on the issue. And I saw where he got it. And for me as a supervisor, that was a great reward to see him turn it around, begin to take accountability for for his work, and helped him years later as he eventually moved into leadership uh, himself. Uh, so that is a what I would call, Susie, a positive story. And I, I, I have one, though, however, that didn't go that way. And I wanted to stop and see if you had any questions about this first one. And I can quickly share you about uh, the second situation oh, that didn't go good. that way. Good. I'm so glad you brought two. So what what I love about this is there is tension in any kind of discussion like this. And yes. what a gift. And it's a reminder of if you're willing – you're, you're a new supervisor. This is your top technical person. You don't want anything to go wrong with this person in the job, but they're not. But you have to have that conversation. And the fact yes. that you did, and it was it was a gift you gave that person because you you had the conversation. You got clear on what he needed or she needed to uh, turn it around, and he did. So uh, it's just such a gift that you, that you had the conversation. And do you recall how you opened it up, or maybe even how you do it now when you when you're because we do get stories in our mind about okay why isn't he doing this and they, we you know can get kind of yes. frustrated with the person when we when we haven't had the dialogue and like you said we sometimes think um, you know, gosh they should know this or uh, yes. we, we're not sure that maybe we've done something that's gotten in the way so do you recall or in general how would you open a open a discussion like that with someone uh, like yes, this I- in this situation. Yes, thank you. I I would uh, say the most important thing to do is to be very specific about the behavior or the actions that are not meeting the standard. Uh, mm-hmm. What exactly is it? Describe situations what, that illustrate where the shortcoming is and focusing on those situations or behaviors and not necessarily on the person themselves um, and start there. The other day, in the staff meeting when someone was trying to speak and you cut them off a couple of times, I could tell that it had a particular impact on our whole team and no one's talked, you know, talked up in the meeting. And, and I wanted to talk about that with you about uh, what your current concerns may have been because, you know, it was a concern to me and to our group. So getting very specific about behavior and a uh, 
particular situations is, I think, the most effective way to get into any kind of conversation. Uh, I, I've, I've learned that over the years. Uh, don't beat around the bush, uh, but yet respect the person, but deal with the issue. Right. Yeah, one of the litmus tests that we teach is uh, d- uh, to help people stay, especially people who are really expressive. They tend to flourish <laughs> descriptions of things yeah. instead of sticking to the facts. And it, one good litmus test is, did I hear it? Did I see it? You yes. know, they're prepared and for the meeting. You know, what would you add to that? I would add, um, it really ask them, what do they think is going on? Get their opinion, get their, you know, after you've described that to them, get their take on it so that you can begin the dialogue and you open it up for, again, for dialogue, not debate. Right. And to get their side of the story so you can actively listen to get to the root of the matter. And when you create that environment where a crucial conversation can happen, where there's safety for both sides to speak, then you're going to get to the right answer quicker. And uh, people will feel like they can then. But at the same time, Susie, you have got to, in my view, make it clear that this is an issue that they have. So they they need to own, you know, improving themselves in whatever way they need to develop. And so leaving it with them to be you know, what is the solution and what are you going to do that we come together with that solution, but they leave feeling that they're accountable for getting better. Yep. So perfectly said. And it, the safety is so important. And, and a lot of the ways you build that, you know, respecting the individual, um, taking yes. time to plan for the meeting. Some of that just shows respect, you know, even expressing an appreciation for something they've done, but then very clearly stating the facts is also, to me, showing respect and can create safety because it's, it's something you've seen, it's something you've heard, and it really does have the dialogue. And then asking what they think. That is yes. also showing respect and creating safety. So what do you think about this as opposed to just pounding? I think that's, a, that's some perception for some leaders. I just need to go in there. I saw it. I know what it is, and I need to pound them for it. <laughs> yes, that's a great Yes, that's a great, great comment. I think, um, you know, I I think most people, if not all people, really come to work wanting to do a good job. Mm -hmm. I don't think people get up in the morning and come to work and say, let me see how I can mess up today. And I think if we create this uh, open uh, dialogue where we can uh, offer candid and upfront feedback and it's a two-way communication, um, it's not only good for the organizations, but it's good for our employees and their quality of life because I really do believe to have a great place to work, you've got to have that kind of atmosphere. Um, And it does remind me that if you're not actively listening, you can't pick up the things to be able to deal with them. And it reminds me of my second situation where I had – Oh, perfect. um, I had I I inherited an employee into an organization that came to me, and I knew that there were some issues with that particular individual that maybe not have been dealt with, you know, uh, for whatever reason. And and I knew that um, you know I had to step up. And we talked about some issues and 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 got the clarity on what the expectations are. And and over time, unfortunately, um, in this particular situation with the individual, um, with the, the, this person was missing deadlines, and um, and the, it was not it was in the quality of work uh, was an issue. Maybe some errors in presentations and in some numbers that were uh, you know we provide feedback back to the individual, and uh, the errors kept coming, and uh, the the deadlines kept being missed. And we had to go from, uh, I say we, me, <laughs> had to go yeah, from a, a coaching. A yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, we went from a coaching environment to stepping into that discipline area where, you know, we've had this discussion before. This is now the second time. Um, and uh, we really need you need really need to pay attention to this. What is happening that's keeping you from from uh, you know accomplishing the things that that we talked about the last time? 
and getting really clear about what the expectation is and make sure there is no doubt because you're moving down the track, which is, you know, not positive. And I've learned over the years that sometimes it is skill or knowledge that keeps somebody. But sometimes uh, it, and it, and it may be that they don't have the ability to do whatever's being asked in there. They're covering it up or they're afraid to say, I can't do this. I don't have the skill set. But sometimes if you've been in leadership long enough, you will find people will simply not want to do it. Yep. They're not motivated to do it. They choose not to do it. They may have other reasons uh, why they see it as uh, not important or, or whatever, and it's more of an attitudinal thing, and they just don't want to do it. Uh, and, and you can go down the track. And you find out, for example, uh, a great example might be that there are personal issues going on with this individual outside of work that is affecting their performance inside you know, the job. And uh, so you try to get that out and, and deal with them appropriately. But, but if someone cannot meet the standard and it is a, a job a situation where you cannot continue this behavior or this action or this performance level using a, a progressive discipline approach uh, and being very structured and making sure with your human resources personnel or your, your legal personnel that you go down the right track in giving the person every reasonable chance to improve. But if that is not the case, then sometimes you have to move to termination, which is unfortunate, but may in the long run be the best thing for that employee as it may force them to new, have to do new things, get a job that may be more aligned to their skill set, and, and can also help the company as well. Mm-hmm. And I certainly have had both of these. And then I would say the third thing, we talk about development, but for some leaders, even all the way at the top, it's tough for us to recognize people for great work sometimes. And uh, and uh, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, I'll never forget uh, when I was, uh, uh, again, a first-time leader, um, I had an individual that did an outstanding job, just outstanding and I wanted to recognize this person, um, extraordinarily recognize them for their work. And uh, so we had an organizational meeting. There were 100 people in the room, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask this person to stand up, and I'm going to recognize him for the great work. So I went to my vice president, and I said, hey, can, uh, I'd like to recognize so-and-so, and I'd like to do that at the end of the meeting. And you know, they said, okay. And so I stood up, and I asked the person to come up to the front and I saw a little hesitancy from the employee. And I thought, uh-oh, what's wrong? And they stood up, walked up, and by the time this employee got up to the front, I could see the perspiration all over his face. And I'll stand up there and I said, I would like to congratulate, you know, this person for a great job that they had done. They had went beyond expectation. And let's give a big round of applause uh, for the great work. And I tell you what, I thought he was going to pass out. (laughs) Yep. And I, I didn't realize that. Well, I should have known he was an introvert, number one. Right. And getting that kind of attention and being put in front of a group was not a recognition. Yeah. But probably if I'd gotten the CEO to write a little handwritten note to him saying, hey, Ron, talk to me about the work that you had done. And I just want to say thank you for what you've done. It's been an incredible thing. And on behalf of the company, I just want to say thanks. Probably would have meant much, much, much more than me standing this guy in front of all these people. And I can't tell you what I have learned so much in leadership at all of my levels of knowing my people and what really would work in recognition for them, being fair to everyone, but not necessarily the same. Right, Uh, right. And so when we give feedback, I want to make sure we talk about both developmental and also let's not forget to recognize our stars and do it in a way which is really meaningful for them. Right, right. So that's such a great point because, 
you know, the Gallup research says one of the key factors for commitment or engagement is for an employee to be able to say, I've received fee, uh, appreciation or feedback from positive feedback from my supervisor in the last seven days. And so that's a piece that really they found appreciation. And your second point is awesome, too, is, you know, know your people. Some people are going to love being in front of the room and some people are going to despise it. And so tailoring exactly. your feedback. And, and the same thing with um, when it's a, a coaching or a discipline issue or challenge, same thing. You know, if somebody's more reserved, you need to give them time to think and tell them, you know, let them think it through and then come back to them. And then somebody who's pretty expressive is going to need time to talk or they may get hot headed at first because that's just their nature, you know, so kind of, exactly. and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, using a DISC assessment and the motivators assessment just to help understand what makes each person tick and understand yourself and understand where, when you're coming to the meeting, where you're going to need to adapt yourself, you know, be more quiet or be more assertive, depending on who's across the table from you. So um, I, I love the reminder that this is about development and recognition as much as it is about um, coaching and discipline and, and, and yes. handling all aspects of that. That's that's great. Yes. I really do subscribe to the development model that says that 70% of development of, of employees and, and leaders all the way up to the top, 70% is through experience. And and twenty percent is mentoring and coaching, and ten percent is education, formal education. And I see, you know, sometimes it that equation being flipped. So uh, an individual has a deficiency, uh, not meeting expectations. Let's just send them to a, a class, and they're going to come back, and they've got well, they've got they went to a class. Why aren't they getting better? And um, I find that if you can help employees move through experiences they have at work and move through them successfully, that that tends to be more effective than just throwing some class to them and say, you know, come back and you'll be a, a, a different person. Or pair them up with somebody who's been through an experience like they're going through that can share wisdom and knowledge to them the hard knocks of moving through some, what are some of the barriers, be ready to deal with this or that, so that in their development, they can learn from others, and that's that 20% of that equation, 70, 20, 10. Yep, that's a great breakout, too, and I love what you said, helping them move through the experience. So if you're a leader who tunes into their people and has uh, everyday, everyday ongoing conversations and you get to know your people, you're alerted to a challenge and you do on-the-spot discussions or you know realize, okay, maybe there needs to be a mentoring, somebody they can go, go work with somebody else to get through this. So um, I think that is powerful. Tell me about expectations. So what I see a lot is if you ask the manager, you'll say is uh, they'll say they're having a problem with somebody since I'm an outside person. They'll say I'm having problems with Jim, and I'll say, do you think Jim understands the expectations for the job and for this project? And the manager yes. always says, oh, absolutely. And then you go ask Jim, and Jim's like, well, no, <laughs> not really. I don't. I'm not really sure. Tell talk, yeah. talk a little bit about that. Why? Where is that disconnect? But it is often. I see it a lot, and I'm imagining maybe you've seen it throughout your career. Where's the disconnect, and how can managers get better at that? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the keys that I've learned over the years in, in leadership, and, and that is is that you have to stay connected with what the people are doing and that and have that fine balance between letting them go do their work and they feel like they own it, and, but yet you're on top of what's going on. And uh, for me, I've put together these how's it going meetings with my employees. It's a regular meeting. Employees know that it's coming. We have an opportunity to share what's going on in the business. What support can I be of them? What are some hurdles and barriers that they're facing in their work? They know that it can always come into my office anytime. But this is a very prescribed time. I know it's coming. They know it's coming. And it's an opportunity to entertain dialogue about how effective things are going and, and to stay in tune with what may be the hurdles uh, for for my employees so that I can make them successful. I have found that that has been incredibly beneficial to me. I learned it from a, a mentor leader that I had who, who told me, 
you need to stay in touch. It doesn't matter what level you are. If you know what's going on, then you can be of help to your people. You can give them wisdom and discernment. You can help them think through their issues where it's needed. But at the same time, you allow them to go back and do their work. And uh, for me, that's where I get a lot of information about how's it going. And then staying in contact with the customers that we serve. Um, internally, uh, and just making sure that we are hitting the mark or exceeding the mark for our clients. And many times I find out how is it going through through the people we serve. Right. And then how often do you have, like, I know there's no one set way to do this, but if people are thinking, hey, how's it going, meaning that makes sense. So my next yes. question is, well, I wonder how often I ought to do that. Did you do it once well, a quarter, once a month? What kind of, what would you talk about? Give some guidelines. Well, I think it depends upon the situation. If if you're at, in an active uh, coaching situation where there are some deficiencies that are being worked on, I would say at least weekly. Uh, where you're you're checking in with the person, this is um, you know more closely aligned to performance improvement. But when it's right. just a, a regular employee uh, meeting their regular expectations in the job, there are no real issues. I would say every couple of weeks may be good to have a formal check in. Um, as you move up the leadership ladder, it may not be as often. Maybe once a month, uh, a get to know uh, what's going on kind of session and. Um, uh, but I think setting it, making it a regular expectation just really opens up the door. The employees, no matter what level they are, know they're going to have the opportunity to discuss the issues with their boss. Right, and it's set up, and so the people who feel better to plan in advance can, you know, so they show yes. up and they're ready, and then uh, that's, and like you say, setting up the expectation, because that's another Gallup um, engagement question that they say, and you see it, someone at work cares about, or my opinions count, you know, someone's talked to me yes. about my development, I know what's expected, all these things, and if you just make that part of your leadership model, having how's it going meetings, which is just the perfect way to label that because it's um, it's intentional the the headline of it or the, the the way you describe it and it's also casual so it's not all formal it's not a performance appraisal meeting you know it's it's a discussion and I think you might even have an agenda you and I were talking about four questions that you're always uh, always yes. uh, after do you ask those four questions in this how's it going meeting um, I, or I do yeah, I, I kind of live by performance management principles that is not complicated, but if these four questions are answered in any given time of the year, let's say, Susie, if you came to my company and you walked up to any of my employees and you asked them these four questions, then you would know whether or not performance management was happening in my organization. And the first question is, uh, what are the objectives that this individual is trying to achieve? Can the, can the individual, can the employee share exactly what their expectations are? Is it clear to them? Do they know what their goals are? They know what the target is, and that's what they're working towards. I would call it the what's of the job. Uh, can they articulate it back to you, Susie? And then the second question would be, what are the behaviors or values that either the department or the individual is working on? Is it to be more customer-focused? Is it to... Um, uh, you know, think more strategically as part of their development that they're working on and um, or that we've decided as an organization we need to ramp up some of our values that we, we hold dear in this particular performance period. And then I'd say the third question that you would ask one of my employees is, well, hey, how are you doing? And if they can answer the question of whether or not in the mind of their boss they are meeting expectations, exceeding expectations, uh, that they have new things that they're getting better at, then then you would know, Susie, that performance management is really starting to happen because they're getting regular feedback. And for me, it's during the how's it going meetings uh, that I yep. do that. And then fourth, the last question is, what am I doing to get better? So we always can improve. I'm my former uh, CEO at Southern Company, David Radcliffe, uh, I remember when he first came into the job, and the first thing he did was he showed everybody his performance review in his development plan. And um, 
the uh, and and it was the message that everyone can improve no matter what level they are, no matter what job they're in. And so he created the expectation that everyone should be getting better, no matter how experienced they are. They could be learning something new. They could be giving away what they know to others who need to know. And so there's always uh, opportunity to get better at what they do. So the the four questions they're simple. What are the objectives? Uh, that you're trying to achieve? What are the behaviors or values you're focusing on? How are you doing? And what are you doing to get better? That, those are great. And I think it's really great that the CEO showed his performance re, uh, re, appraisal or review and what he's working on. And we always talk about that with the 360 as well, that once you've assimilated your results, you have a duty to go back and, and say in, in a summary statement or two or three, here's what I'm working on. Do you have any other thoughts? Thank you for the feedback. And what that does is it just has everybody being more open about what they're working on um, and to and to also understand that everybody's growing, you know, and everybody's focused, including the leader. So I think that is that is great that he did that. And your principles are clear and easy for people to focus on. So when you're thinking about these principles and you're having a how's it going meeting, how would a typical how's it going meeting go? Would you ask these questions? Well, I'd let them feel or? like, yeah, I'd like, I try to let them feel like that this is their time. This is their time to update me on what they're doing um, uh, and uh, how I can help them and what they're doing. And so I usually start off with, uh, well, how's your week been? Now, I probably already know the answer to that. So given how much you normally are in contact with your people, you know, you may not start off that way. But letting them start about how their week has been going, how you're doing, tell me about your work, uh, uh, where would you like to start, let them begin to talk so that they feel like that, you know, they can get out on the table what they want. And then I can always follow up with what I need, but I'd like for them to feel like that I am listening to them. They are important to me, and I'd like for them to start because they've probably come in with some thoughts and everything, and I generally let them start first, right. and then we go That's from great. there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how long? What's a typical? Is it 30 minutes, uh, 45 minutes, uh, an hour? Uh, no more than an hour. We try to do it between 30 minutes and 45 minutes. Um, it, we try not to, you know, really solve a lot of problems in there. We try to get things on the table. And if we can easily address something, we will. But it may be the outcome is we need to, we need to set another meeting and, and, and go over another, that issue or whatever. So right. it's really kind of an update kind of opportunity. Yep. If we need to have a crucial conversation about performance, I'd probably set it for another time. Yeah, that's a different conversation. This is yes. really, how's it going? <laughs> yes, how's it going? It, yeah. yeah, how's it going? Yeah, and I always, end up, I always end up asking them, what can I do hmm. to help you? I always end up every meeting trying to do that. What can I do to help you? Is there anything that I can do? Um, and I always open it, leave it for them to tell me if there's something I can do to help them because I think leadership is about enabling them to get their work done in the best way. And um, uh, and that's what we're there. Do I need to clear a barrier? Do I need to call someone to make sh- in another department in order for you to get what you need? Uh, do I need to get more, give you more clarity on what the expectation is? Do I... You know, are you having some work environment issues I need to address? Uh, you know, right. w- what is it that I can do to help you? Yep. That's great. And, you know, I, th- I was thinking, uh, so I worked in corporate America, NCR Corporation was my first job out of college. And uh, I was at Oracle. I was at State Farm. And I worked for a large consulting firm before I started my company. And there's just... Not many times do I recall I had didn't have great leaders, I guess is what I'm about to say. I don't recall that many leaders doing a lot of this, you know, so it was funny because I was in uh, human resources like at NCR, and uh, there was some of it, you know, and I, a couple of names pop pop in mind. Um, so it's just it's I, I'm sure that's how I ended up in this as a as a 
uh, you know, past 12 years doing this business because it's such a passion for making sure that more of this kind of thing is done because, you know, you've got so many people who need support and they, and if somebody was just advocating for them, like what you're talking about, I'm advocating for you. I'm here to help you be successful. Um, yes. what a difference that makes in, in someone's career and in, um, their daily life, the level of stress they have or don't have. It's just, um, yes. so empowering and it's not complicated. Well, one of the but things I don't think that it all gets done our, that often. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Uh, no, uh, one of the things that we did in our leadership development training here at Cobb BMC was that uh, as we went through the program, we created what I might call accountability groups. We actually called it the board of the individual, where we put ah. t- two to three other leaders with that individual in the class that they knew they had somebody that they could share their challenges with and get input and perspectives from other leaders um, and that it was a very trusting environment. It was one in which it would be confidential so that they could share their challenges. And what they found out was is that many of the same challenges that they have, the others are having as well. Well, how did you deal with the situation? Um, And, um, and so you begin learning from one another, and it's a much more powerful learning experience than reading it at a book and or yeah, yeah. listen to some uh, expert come in from the outside and talk about what you ought to be doing back at your work. But when right. you hear it from cohorts um, and, and they care about your success, that over time I know some of these accountability groups have lasted for years. They keep meeting. They keep. They become good friends. And if there's anyone out there today is, is is saying, "What can I do to take the next step in being more effective as a leader?" I would really strongly consider getting some some people in your in your peer group that, and start meeting and talking about and sharing best practices on some of these leadership ideas and situations. Yeah, yeah because I, I can think about when I just personally think about my leaders. They were all. You know, growing up in in your career, good people that I liked, and so there was no intention not to do these things on purpose, but I don't Mm -hmm. think they had a peer group or they didn't have support to kind of help them stay on track because it is hard to be a leader who's doing, trying to keep track of all the moving parts, and then also trying to lead and, and be inspirational and be a coach. So, I mean, there's a lot of demands on leaders, so that's an excellent idea to have the accountability groups or uh, uh, having your own board of peers. That's an excellent yeah, idea. And I would add also that uh, creating this accountability so that all leaders have one mindset about what does performance management mean in my company? What does that look like? And I would encourage uh, you know those who are leading or, uh, companies to ask the question, you know, do, do all my leaders have a common mindset about what, how to set expectations, how to give feedback? We're doing it consistently across the organization. And so sharing best practices, creating environments and learning environments where the more you get together and talk about these things and what has worked and what has not worked, um, that you develop this common mindset that then goes to have an accountable organization. Right. That's perfect. And it really is doing what we're talking about individual leaders doing, and that is getting together and having conversation and dialogue, having the leaders actually do it together, you know, somebody facilitating yes. that so that you have yes. this common mindset, which is – exactly. Uh, yeah, and the setting the expectations thing, people don't really know how to do that. I call it setting a dashboard, um, but there's a whole facilitated conversation you can have that's pretty straightforward um, that it somehow gets missed as well. Um, so these are these are great reminders, and it is important to build that in a culture. And it's something that you don't have one class or one meeting. It's ongoing focus. And they need somebody like you who's passionate about the subject and kind of keeping all that on track, I believe. You know, a lot of companies keep safety at the forefront of their of their work, and we all do. And and we have safety programs every month, and it's just critically important. And you would say, well, I thought we we got that last month, right? You know, but 
but we, we want to have zero accidents. We want to be safe. I know at my company here at Cobb EMC, that is at the utmost of importance. And we continue to talk about it, and we have dialogue about it, and we, we learn from where the shortcomings are. If we had near misses or whatever, we, we talk about that. We share that knowledge. And I've often thought that as leaders, we ought to be doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's always fresh. It's always uh, on the top of our mind about how can we learn, be a continuous learner to get better as a leader, and and then let's listen to others. Let's let's hear about the situations of others and learn from things so that we can be more effective. And and when leadership's got their act together, there's no telling what can happen in a company. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the perfect uh analogy or thought. I mean, that's so commonsensical. It's it's amazing that, you know, that we do that for safety, why wouldn't we do it for all these important leadership skills? Because yeah. it is it's that's the kind of the beauty of of leadership and communication is it's never ending. There's it's never like, "Oop, done, finished." You know, yeah, until we're not here. Went when, to that class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah. always new nuances, and and if you love to learn, or can create or cultivate a love for learning, it's uh, very invigorating to think, oh wow, I can get better at this. This is an ongoing skill development thing. So yeah. oh, I love that. I love that about the safety programs. You know, I'm going to use that again, and I'm going to attribute it to you. <laughs> <laughs> very well. I won't steal it. I will definitely tell everybody where I got that from. But that is perfect. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Great. So uh, I love every, appreciate everything that you've been sharing, and I'm just going to look through my notes for a minute here and see if there's anything we want to follow up on. Um, when you look at leaders, you've seen uh, many thousands and thousands of leaders in your different roles uh, and throughout your career. What do you think the biggest struggles, if you were going to kind of list, you know, the biggest struggles for leaders that we've touched on them, but maybe we could summarize uh, what you think they are around the area of performance management? Well, I think it gets to what you mentioned at the very beginning of our our discussion, and that is that we have a tendency to uh, not deal with the issue head on and in a timely basis. We'll let things fester. We'll turn our heads. We get let things get in the way. We may not have the courage uh, to step out. We may not be comfortable with giving feedback. That that's not something that comes naturally to us, and so as a result, we avoid it. And when we avoid it, then it can fester, get worse. Uh, it can hurt our not only the employees' uh, performance, but it can hurt the performance of our group. It can hurt the reputation. It can hurt the image. Um, and and so by just turning our heads many times, that, that that is disastrous. And so having the courage, and I really do believe a, a leadership competency is displaying courage, that uh, as we display courage and and, and taking the attitude of we really want this employee to succeed, and we owe it to them, just like we want to see our children succeed uh, in life, and we give them some some uh, some tough love, uh, some some very valuable instruction. Um, we want to do the same for our employees, and uh, with that attitude, if we just step out and have create that environment for safe dialogue. I think that's the number one challenge that leaders have is, is displaying that courage. And it does take courage. You're exactly right. And then if, if people in, in their minds can realize this is a gift, I'm, I'm giving this employee a gift by having this conversation. Uh, yes, I exactly. Let my child run across the street and not say, Johnny, we don't run across the street. Let's talk about yeah. this. You know, yeah, we don't want to be parental, um, but, right. you know, we have to look at our employees and say, okay, this is a gift. This conversation can help. And it, it, it helps to have something like you're talking about having uh, a mentor or a coach or having an accountability board or someone because there's nothing wrong with not feeling the courage because I think that's very human. Um, but we have to 
have to build it and we have to and and sometimes some of the skill building can help us start to build the courage so we have like a template you know this is how we do it it doesn't mean i'm ready to do it yet but at least i got a process right. or a model and i can and that's why it. we put them in the classroom sometimes because yeah. we do yeah. give them the models yeah. to help them have that first thing to say for example yeah. you know how do i yeah. start this conversation yeah. and uh yeah. and how do i ease the tension uh yeah. but still keep yeah. it accountable you know yeah uh, and yeah. that's where uh, learning and, and education can yeah, it's yeah. all gray. And and I'm interrupting you, sorry. The the conversation um starts in the training, but it really I agree with you, that's ten percent. The rest is now okay, on yes. the job, I just gotta do it. <laughs> you just gotta do it. Go do it and, and let some wise people who've done it before share information with you so that you can learn from them and just step out and have courage. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, in the building the courage is making notes before you start. You know, mentally have walked through it, mentally yes. have kind of scripted it out, and the and yes. when you're first starting, that will take more time than you know ten years down the road or you know five years down the road. But I think that some people forget that that it, you, you just don't shoot from the hip because most of the time you're you're not going to really hit the mark if you do that. Susie, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I know a lot of research has shown that if you do write it down, uh, then you've given it some thought, and it helps you. It helps you in this courage area. You have more confidence. You kind of know what you want to say. And, in fact, mm-hmm. you can even write down what's the first sentence I'm going to say. Um, yep. And um, and with thoughtful notes, and you should have notes anyway because yep. this is documentation that would go into employees' file. And, and, that, and we haven't talked a lot about that, but that is so crucial that we document the performance of our employees and both from a recognition standpoint and from a development because you never know if you've got to go down that track where an employee chooses for whatever reason not to perform, which might lead to termination and and who knows what could happen after that and, and keeping very good notes um, is so crucial to the performance management process that um, it, it just needs to be done. And don't take that for granted. And um, that might be the second thing I would say besides having the courage and not waiting or delaying the feedback. Take great notes. That's great. It's interesting, too. So you got the whole practical side of taking great notes, one, to prepare to kind of build your courage and get more comfortable if if the courage isn't quite settled in yet. Um, Then you've got the... Okay, for follow-up and for the legal and corporate aspects of it. And there's even a third one, and I, it came to mind because someone had told me this, with someone who was very upset, a uh, long-term employee, very upset about how some things have been handled and was thinking about leaving. And the CEO of the company agreed to have a conversation with this employee. The employee approached the CEO so it was at that level. And the employee after the conversation said he showed up and he had notes and that meant so much to me because that meant he thought about this right. and so the employee was right. upset i mean he instantly just saw that, that the ceo had notes and and instantly read that as okay he took this seriously he cares about the fact that i want to have this conversation and so you've got the um preparing preparedness aspect of it you've got the business aspect and the liability aspect and then you just have what message that sends this is a meaningful conversation and i've thought about it and that yes. means i respect you and i this is important to me and I, it's important to you you know so it's really powerful that whole just taking time to think about of it in advance. And and I would add this, if the annual review, many companies have annual reviews for employees where you you bring in this is the summary annual time to talk about your performance as a whole for the year. I would suggest to you that if there are surprises in that meeting, then um, then performance management didn't happen well during the year. Yep. The the annual summary review appraisal meeting should never be a surprise. Yep. Because if you're coaching, you're providing feedback all year long, someone is a star where they are in their work, uh, and they should know about it. Uh, 
they should know before they go into the annual meeting a general sense of where they are in their performance. And, and that discussion should never be a surprise. Yep. It's just a summary of what's taken place all year long and, and sort of that annual documentation of, 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 of bringing it all together. Right, right. So you have been awesome in this call, and you've shared so many good tips and insights uh, from your experience as a leader and from looking across leaders of big organizations. Um, and I, I just really appreciate you sharing. And I can't wait to go back and recap all the key points um, as we close out the call today. I just wanted to see if you had uh, any final advice to leaders about this topic. And then uh, maybe if you have some some development tools that you like or use, you could share those as well. Um, yeah, um, I would say, you know, the, uh, the role of a leader, um, the, the, when we look at the competencies or the job description of a leader, developing our employees should meet near the top, whether it is getting someone ready to take our place one day and we're developing them developing them and giving them experiences to be able to go to the next level of whether it is dealing with those who are not meeting expectations, that I would put that alongside getting stellar results. And when you think about your role as a leader, that both of those things are right up there at the top. Um, some of the resources that I have uh, really liked that come from the Center for Creative Leadership. Um, they have a lot of information, a lot of helps. They they have uh, these small uh, pamphlets around giving and receiving feedback that you can get oh, from them. Okay. They're, they're out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. They're one of the top leadership development places that, that I know about. Uh, every year they're in the top five in the, in the world for leadership development. And I have found that their resources are stellar. You don't have to read a two-inch thick book. You can go get a pamphlet that really hits the target of what you're trying to find out about in terms of your leadership. And I would encourage people to take a look at the Center for Creative Leadership. Great. Great. I didn't know about those pamphlets. That sounds great. Okay. Also, I would uh, encourage um, uh, in our leaders out there today, if you want to just read a good book, it's indeed entitled Crucial Conversations. Mm-hmm. It's by Patterson, Grinney, McMillan, and Switzler, and um, I think it's a great book on how to have some tools for talking to employees when the stakes are high. Yep. Crucial Conversations is the name of the book. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, and I have an audible.com uh, link, and I'm pretty sure they're on Audible, too, so I'll put links in the show notes to that book. It is a great book, and they do talk about how to create safety when you're going to have a crucial conversation, and it's it's uh, it's just one of those that will be around for many, 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 many years uh, having positive impact. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay, great. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise today, Ron. Um, it has been a pleasure and uh, continued success to you and all the great work that you're doing over there at Copy MC. And yeah, it's obvious they have the right person in the right role there. Your passion. All right. Well, thanks, knowledge. Susie. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I enjoyed speaking with you today and, and uh, also wish you much success. Thank you. All right, I hope you got good information from the show. When you go to our show notes, you'll be able to get links to some of the information we talked about here. It's pricelessprofessional.com slash performance. You'll also see in the show notes a link to the book that uh, Ron mentions, Crucial Conversations. So I'll have a link there to that. Audible.com offers a bit of a sponsorship to podcasts. And so you'll have, I'll have a link. You could actually get that book at no cost if you were to use my link for the Audible books. Audible is the audio books. And so I find that if you like podcasts, you probably will like audio books. And I find when I'm walking the dog or washing the clothes or taking a long trip to in and out of Atlanta traffic, audible.com is a great resource. So if you use my link, audible.com gives us a small 
financial acknowledgement that we have mentioned them as a company. So it's sort of like a sponsorship. And what they do is they will allow you to have a complimentary download. So it won't cost you anything to download Crucial Conversations. And it includes a 30-day trial. So you can either keep it. Their hope, of course, is you're going to stay on and be an Audible customer, but you won't lose your book. So if you'd like that, it's pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, and you can get that Crucial Conversations, an excellent book that everybody who reads it is interested in it, and it has been around for ages, and it will be around for many, many more years to come. Also in the show notes, I've got at the bottom of the show notes page a link to my recent newsletter article, August 2015. In that newsletter, I shared a three-step thought process for diagnosing and taking action around performance. And I, as most of you who know me know that I like to use uh, acronyms. So the acronym for the three-step process is REV, R-E-V. And in the newsletter article, what I did is I walked through an example of someone who it was actually a real coaching client who had an employee who wasn't performing, and we went through the three steps. And then we... I list in the newsletter article actions that he chose to take. So you can really kind of see how the steps are a good thought process. And the REV stands for remove obvious barriers. That's the R. Determine if expectations are understood. That's the E. And clarify and verify job fit. That's the V. And so much of that really ties into the things that Ron shared. Ron talked about expectations not being clear. He talked about removing barriers, uh, expectations, and do they have what they need, or is there some misunderstanding? So uh, uh, look for that link uh, for the August 2015 newsletter and the Rev Steps if you're looking for some specific steps. And in future podcasts, I'm going to walk you through a process where I self-share four conversation preparation steps that I use for creating safety and discussing discussing performance. It's another acronym, WPSA. And so those of you who have attended my classes or who have been on coaching calls are familiar with WPSA. It's a four-step process. It basically, it's, it's a conversation process. You do a warm open, you state the problem. You ask their view, you ask for their solutions, and you confirm agreement, WPSA. I have a little mini course on that, but what I will do is look for future podcasts around the WPSA steps, or shoot me an email if you are curious about those steps, and I can send you to a little mini course that I have on on those steps. And it's, my email is suzie, S-U-Z-I-E, at pricelessprofessional.com. Now, I've done some other podcasts that revolve around this subject, and I'll have those as links in the show notes. One is Being a Best Boss, and that's where I interviewed a best boss, someone who was recognized by his employee as a best boss. Uh, Another podcast was Best Bosses, Worst Bosses, and that's where I talk about four skills that leaders who are best bosses have mastered, and I interview three different people, and they talk about their best boss and their worst boss. And then third podcast that's related that I'll mention is how to train and retain millennial employees. That's where I talked to someone who had done research around millennials and what they want. And you could tie that into some of this performance management discussions and use that to help with this having the tough conversations um, subject area. So a directory for all of the podcasts that we've created so far is at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And again, I'll mention it one more time. You can get the app and get the show notes for today's episode at pricelessprofessional.com slash performance. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I so appreciate people like Ron who are willing to take time out of their busy world to participate and share their knowledge. And it's just great to be a part of this world and to be able to focus on Wake Up Eager and continue to be the seeker and the learner that I am. And I'm so, so happy and and pleased um, that you're along with me on this journey. And if you have any questions or comments for me, you'll see all my contact information on the show notes page. Reach out. Meanwhile, we'll see you at the next episode. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 